Hello, and welcome again to the LifeBridge Christian Church Teaching Podcast. I am Pastor Jake Spielbauer, teaching pastor at LifeBridge Christian Church, and joining me today are two of my friends and esteemed colleagues from staff here at the church, Katrina Hartman. Hi. Who is our ministry resource <laughs> assistant? The song just pumps me up. I get, I get distracted by that. I know it's time. hard not to get pumped up when yeah. the podcast music plays. And also Colin Hall, our director of music and one man traveling band. <laughs> Hello. Technical scholar. <laughs> Technical scholar. <laughs> hey, today on the podcast, we're going to get into rules and rules that we like to make we all have unwritten rules that we live by and you know one for me uh is when you're typing and those little red lines come up on your spell checker that you must immediately stop what you are doing and correct it because those are absolutely unacceptable you have to they're yeah. right in your face you just I really have to struggle with not correcting them even if the word sometimes means what and it's like trying to like yeah. correct it to something else i'm like no that's what i mean but, <laughs> yeah. like maybe maybe i do mean what you mean spell check so unwritten rules, do you guys, can you think of any unwritten rules in your life that maybe are peculiar or unique to you uh, that like, you know, you kind of live by them, they're quirky that you don't, uh, maybe have never written down, but you know, you do it. Mm-hmm. All we can think is funny things. I don't know why. <laughs> First thing that popped in my head was like, don't sleep with your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> um, I try to do that every night. <laughs> We're like, you know, you certain people like you always eat the crust of a sandwich first. Uh, oh, weird that's stuff. You know what I mean? Weird. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, you never eat your fries before your uh, like your main meal. Your burger. Thing. Like, like your if you burger, go to Chick Fil A, yeah. you better not eat all your fries first. Like you, be, like you better not eat them first, but they better be the last. You know, I never thought also. about that before, hmm. but that. but the idea of eating my fries before I get to the sandwich just that seems wrong. My wife does that. I wow. do that. Yeah, wow, there's mm. a disturbance within the force. All um, right, so so on the topic of unwritten rules, and uh, and and so what we what we're going to talk about today is a little bit how Jesus teaches us to read the rules of the Old Testament, and some of the issues that he takes up with the religious leaders of their day for writing uh, some some unwritten rules, or maybe building on what God revealed in the Old Testament to uh, to put some rules there that. Uh, ordinarily, uh, were not God's intention. So, um, and, and the reason that this is important, and, and so what we're going to do today, the goal is, you know, building a little bit on what we talked about last week to continue building in how we read as believers in Christ, the Old Testament, because we established last week that Jesus fulfills the law for us and the different ways that he fulfills the law for us. Um, and then we went on to talk about the roles that the law plays in our life now as believers. And we said that there were four of those. Just to review, we said there were four roles that, uh, that God's law plays in the life of the believer. And those are that it serves as a guide in doing what's right. It demonstrates our sinfulness. It demonstrates God's holiness. And it points us to Jesus. And what we want to expound upon today is Jesus actually gives us a way to understand, you know, how does the law actually guide us in doing what's right. We want to dig into that a little bit today. And here's why this is important. Have you ever been uh, scrolling the internet, which I know none of us ever waste time on the internet. We only use it for productive purposes, but have you ever been scrolling the internet and you see a comment section, 
right? And normally you should just keep scrolling. Like it's just a dumpster fire, keep scrolling, but you know, there's a battle going on in the comments and, and you see some interaction between those who are arguing in support of maybe Christian ideas and maybe those, uh, to put it nicely, who are arguing against what we would call Christian or biblical ideas. And you'll see it's, if that happens, there's, there's a rule. It's, it's an unwritten rule. There's only so long that that discussion can go before someone will bring up an obscure Old Testament law like this, right? Well, if you're going to follow the Bible, that means you can't eat shellfish because that's what Deuteronomy says, right? Or you can't cut your hair, right? And they'll pull out kind of some passage out of context. Um, yeah, have, you, have you guys witnessed this phenomenon over? You know what I'm talking about? Every day almost. Mm-hmm. And so uh, and, and the problem with this is a lot of times we don't have great answers for it. Mm. And so as Christians, we'll see this and we know we're like, okay, that's not quite how that works. You're using it wrong, but we don't quite have the words to describe um, how we respond to it. So what we're going to do today is get into Jesus's Sermon on the Mount, which we've been studying through together and, and maybe pull apart some of how Jesus uses the Old Testament and teaches us to use it. Um, because that's what he's going to give us in Matthew chapter five, verses 21 through 26. He's going to give us an example of how to properly read and interpret the law. So let's get into Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 21. We read this. You have heard It was said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, whoever is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So if you're offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or sister, and then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to the court, or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. All right. So what we have here is Jesus setting up two things. He says, you've heard it said. Okay. So there's the traditional approach to the law, the law as taught by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of his day. And he says them, but I say to you, and so he's giving us two ways of reading the law. And upon first reading, what do you, what do you guys notice about the way that Jesus handles the law or the way that he's interacting with the Pharisees teaching. Well, he's talking to them in a way that they understand, you know, and that, that probably immediately invoked anger and frustration in them because it's not what they would have done or how they would handle it. That's uh, that's what I see right off the bat. Yeah. Yeah. He's speaking their language basically. Yeah. And What's not happening? just, not just to, you know, he's really saying it to all, all these people. All these people would have understood that that's not how we usually do things. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny to me because, you know, like as Jesus is saying this, he's like, you've heard it said, right? And, and it's funny to me because it's like, well, who told them that? How did they hear that? Well, 
it's from the guys that are probably sitting right there, right? The Pharisees, probably a good portion of them are sitting there listening to this. And Jesus basically says that they've mishandled the law. I mean, that's the accusation here is these guys have botched the law. And if you pay close attention, we mentioned this yesterday at church, that um, the first part of this is Jesus quotes the law, which says, do not murder. And in the Old Testament law, there's nothing that comes after that. It just do not murder, period. So the rest of that, right, when Jesus says, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment, guess what? That was something they had added onto the law, right? Mm -hmm. So do not murder is the command. They say whoever murders goes so far as to murder maybe will be subject to the courts. They'll have to go stand before the judge and the jury. And so Jesus says they've mishandled the law, and he kind of gives us a new framework then in how to understand the intention of that commandment. So what do you notice about Jesus's approach to so Jesus's alternative to the approach of the Pharisees? Well, he's basically, you know, he starts off with saying, do not murder. Whoever murders will be subject, subject to judgment. And then he explains that, um, you know, even if you're angry, with your brother or sister, you'll be subject to judgment. So basically he's describing to them, because it's really easy for most people to read that and to be like, all right, awesome. I won't murder anybody. You know, like it seems that easy, but he's describing it in a different way to them, you know, saying that even if you're angry towards your brother or sister, like to him, that's where murder begins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think because he, you know, he's right before he says this, he's just said, I, I don't abolish the law, fulfill it. And he's like continuing to say, this is how you fulfill the law. Like, this is how you do it along with me. You don't even do it. Like, you you, you don't just do the thing and then deal with it, you know, you know judicially in a courtroom. You actually avoid it entirely and, uh, and solve it before it gets there. Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah. So he's yeah. like, yeah, exactly. He's getting at the root of it. He's getting at the heart. He's getting at the root. Talking about getting rid of conflict before it ever even gets to that point. And, uh, and it's really interesting because... What he essentially says is like the Pharisees have drawn a line and they've said, if you murder, then you're accountable to the courts. But what that permits then is that you can do anything else up to that point, right? Mm -hmm. You can have all kinds of hatred in your heart, all types of malice, right? You can allow, to your point, you can allow all kinds of unfinished business to linger because, hey, you didn't kill anybody. Mm -hmm. Jesus says, no way, man. That's not the intention of the commandment. And so what he reveals to us is there's actually a heart. There's actually a root, to put it in the, in the words that you guys used, there's a heart or a root to this commandment that goes beyond just the letter of the law mm -hmm. because that's where these Pharisees have become technical experts, right? It's on the, yeah. the, the letter of the law. And so they've drawn all these lines, okay? And they pay very close attention, not just for themselves, but for those around them. They hold people to very high standards based on their uh, interpretations of the law that they've built. Mm -hmm. But Jesus says, no, 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 those don't go far enough. In fact, when you draw a line like that, you're letting yourself off the hook because there's actually a spirit to the commandment. There's a heart to the commandment that goes way deeper. And he yeah. says the spirit behind this commandment, it goes so much further that if you even get angry with someone in your heart or nurture anger in your heart, right? Because there's always, we always experience frustration, mm -hmm. right? But if you nurture anger and resentment in your heart to the point that you leave it unresolved, you've already started down the path toward murder. Mm -hmm. Like you've already started to commit heart murder. Yeah. 
And so if we're taking a step back and, and looking at what Jesus is teaching, he's saying the spirit of the law is that people have value, right? This points us back to Genesis that man and woman are created in the image of God with mm-hmm. all the dignity of their creator, and that anything in which we cause them damage by our own anger, by our own destructiveness, by our own selfishness, we are killing that person. We are literally taking life from them. Yeah. And that goes way deeper than what the Pharisees were teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty surface level in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and that's exactly right. The commandment that they've built is surface level. It just deals with the action. Jesus cuts right to the heart. And so here we discover something really important about Jesus's approach to scripture. Like if, if you were, if you were studying under Jesus as like your professor in like introduction to biblical studies, and Jesus is teaching you how to read the Bible. Jesus's interpretive framework to kind of put it in scholarly terms for reading the Bible is that we need to look at the spirit of the law mm-hmm. and try to understand God's heart. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spot on. So, and this is important because when we come to scripture, all of us have a lens. All of us come to scripture and we read it through our own biases, our own feelings, our own assumptions. Um, And so our calling as believers, and this is a lot of why we do what we do on this podcast, is to come to God's word and read it not through our own lenses, but to try to read it through God's lens, how he intended for it to be understood. Mm -hmm. Which, all that said then, brings us to this point then, how do we take that principle? If Jesus tells us, hey, it's not just about the letter of the law. The letter is important, right? What God wrote in Scripture is important. Um, In in fact, he said, even down to the dots of the I's and the crossbars on the T. Um, But even more than that, we need to look to the spirit of the law. Um, How can we apply that then to other areas of the Scripture? So here's some examples, and we're just going to like jump right in today, Okay. Uh, and, and maybe you could even call this like hot topics because I had someone ask me and, and it was a really good question. Someone asked me as a follow-up to last, last week's sermon, like, okay, well, um, well, here's the deal, man. So you're telling me that the law still exists. It's still important and it's still in effect, but like, I don't want to cut my hair, (laughs) right? The the Bible says that men have to have, you know, short hair, like the old, old Testament law says I got to cut my hair and that a woman Mm -hmm. can't cut her hair. Right. So like, but I don't want to do that. Like I like my longer hair as a dude. And uh, so what the heck, man? Mm -hmm. So what do we do with passages like that? Um, You got to find what it meant to them. This is why I really like the seven arrows is because what does this passage mean to its original audience? Well, if you go and you look at that, it had specific intentions. It meant something to them, you know, about the haircutting thing. Um, And it would have made sense to them. And if we realize why it makes sense, what well, makes sense to us, and why it doesn't yeah. necessarily apply to us in, in the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you have to get to the root, like yeah. what you're talking about, the root of why that was a law. You mm-hmm. know, what was the meaning behind it to understand how we're supposed to apply it to our lives now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so if we're coming back to a command like that, and like this would be probably my you know, best attempt. Like we have to ask good questions. Like, well, why did God give that commandment? 
right? What was, what was the reasoning why he gave the Israelites that command? Well, first of all, the purpose of all the commands in the law were so that they'd be a set apart people. Mm-hmm. He wanted them to have a distinct identity where they were set apart from the nations around them. Yeah. Uh, and so that's purpose number one. But the second one is like, okay, God wanted them to maintain distinction between men and women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why would he do that? Well, in Genesis chapter two, we're told that God created them male and female in his own image, or as the, mm-hmm. uh, uh, I love the New City Catechism that we do with our kids, says God created them male and female in his own image to glorify him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, females glorify God in their femaleness, mm-hmm. and men glorify God in their maleness. Mm-hmm. And the heart of that commandment is that those two beautiful, distinct pictures of who God is should not be blurred. Yeah. And in, in, in like even continuing to like look into like the context or like the root of it is that surrounding nations weren't like that. It exactly. Was, and we, and you know, we see that now is like there's, there's a really blurred line. I mean, it's not blurry in reality, but there's a, a, a blurred line of like what, what is, you know, female, what is male kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's, yeah, that's, that's this, this, the distinction there. Um, and it's an original context, yeah. and, and that's, that helps us understand it better, that God values the distinction between male and female because he created them that way to glorify himself. 100%. Mm-hmm. And so that, that gives us two things, right? So that then tells us, you know, okay, it's not just about the hair, right? Yeah. You, and listen, we, there are churches, right? There are some fundamentalist churches that would tell you if you're a female, this is how long your hair has to be, or if you're a guy, this is how short your hair has to be, right? And that's not the right way to go with this. Mm-hmm. Instead, we take a step back, look at the spirit of the law and say, okay, therefore we should celebrate those things which make women, women, yeah. biblically, and those things which make men, men. And we should, we should try to strive for a church culture in which those things are embraced and celebrated and empowered. That's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instead of just focusing on the letter and the, in the do's and the don'ts, we take the the big picture of what is God's heart in the commandment and how can we walk in obedience to it? Yeah. And for like people, cause I, I, I like, you know, some people don't mind not completely understanding what we say about fundamentalism, but like just in a super short, you know, condensed version is it's someone who approaches the Bible absolutely literally, and they're like, it has to be that way. And there, there's a problem with that in the same way where someone's like, well, I, just, I don't want to cut my hair, is that you you need to read it in the proper context. And, and the you know, some things are not meant for us exactly, and some things, you know, they're, uh, you know, prescribed versus described kind of things. Like some described things are things we can do, and it's it's good, and some things are things, yeah, we should do. We are commanded or prescribed to do them. So yeah, that's that's the distinction there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and that's in a lot of people, you know, I think the accusation sometimes, well, that's a cop out, right? You're just trying to find loopholes, but that's not it. Like whenever we read something, we read it well with mm-hmm. paying attention to the context, with paying attention to what type of literature it is. That's just good reading. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're trying to do is actually understand because here's the key. If God exists and God is personal and God reveals himself, then when he gave us the scripture, he had an intention behind each of those scriptures, right? And so we don't get to decide what the intention was. We go back to the text, try to understand what God's intention was. Mm -hmm. So let's think of another example, right? And I love my kids, right? They, they get it and they grill me sometimes with questions. So they asked me at the other, at the, the other day at the dinner table, dad, uh, how about tattoos, huh? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, I read it in uh, Leviticus, uh, I think chapter 19, that you're, 
you know, the tattoos are bad. So, Dad, tell me, why well, do you why have are tattoos? You a right now. <laughs> right? And I'm like, oh, okay, hey, I, I was more concerned about you eating your broccoli, but uh, <laughs> let's go, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, what we did is open up the scriptures and we go to that section in Leviticus, which in its context is talking about being distinct from the pagan nations around them. And so Mm -hmm. you'll find in there that they're giving commandments about not marking themselves for the dead, Mm -hmm. right? Or basically prohibiting um, pagan mourning practices, right? So like the ancient Egyptians would mark themselves for the sake of those who'd gone into the afterlife and the markings were, you know, supposedly uh, had spiritual significance. So what God's heart is in the commandment is that his people should stand out from the pagan practices of their day, right? So then what do we have to do as believers? We have to ask, well, what are the pagan practices of our day? And how do we maintain an identity of being holy and separate? Now, you don't Mm -hmm. maintain an identity of being holy and separate just by not having tattoos. We live holy lives by being people of integrity and goodness and compassion and love and keeping ourselves unstained from what the Bible defines as, you know, um, unrighteousness. Um, you know, so like think about James, which tells us that pure holy religion before the Father is to care for widows and orphans in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Well, geez, mm-hmm. you can have ta- you can have tattoos or not have tattoos and still have a heart that's full of sin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the broader commandment, which doesn't let us off the hook, is the church needs to look different than the world in many ways, right down to the Mm -hmm. very fiber of our being. Now, don't hear me wrong. Like we do have the Holy Spirit for guidance in this Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit may very well convict you that you should not get that tattoo, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, you're doing it to show off or display something or it's out of pride or whatever. Uh, And he may check the, the, the motivations of your heart because the spirit knows our heart. And, And what I would say to you, and I think this is fair with what the apostle Paul says, if, is if God shows you for you that it's sin, then you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. if you're convicted that you shouldn't do it, then you're, you need to be obedient to the Holy spirit. And that's not relativism, right? It's mm-hmm. us doing our best in job of understanding the intention that God has in the text and being obedient to the spirit in our context. Yeah. And another thing, like looking at the, just the tattoo thing is like, you know, uh, Jesus is our high priest, right? So he's fulfilled all these things. Right. And so again, it's like, I came to not abolish, uh, but uh, I came to fulfill. Uh, and if you look at that, it's like you, that. That's a good indicator. Where it's like, well, if something was said here, and may, maybe some things are just seem completely unattainable. You know, like maybe I like eating shellfish or whatever. You know, uh, it's it's a comfort to know, like Jesus is our high priest. Says, hey, there's something more than just that. Like it doesn't stay there. There's more to it. There's yeah, more. Yeah, it's through Christ that we become those holy people. And, and granted, the Holy Spirit still searches our hearts, right? And that's, mm-hmm. that's important. Um, but it's even in a farther level of obedience, not just to the rules, but to the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit each day, complete and total surrender to him. And, you know, if we can just stick our, our foot right in it, you know, like another hot button one is like, that comes up all the time in the church is alcohol. Mm-hmm. Right. And I like, I know, like, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, everybody gets like tensed up when we talk about it. Right. Cause the Bible does talk to us about alcohol. It says you should not be drunk, mm-hmm. right? And there are commands against uh, that all over. And Proverbs talks about people who uh, allow 
wine or strong drink to take them out of themselves and impair their decision-making. And so we have prohibitions or commandments against drunkenness throughout scripture that are very clear, Mm -hmm. right? Um, because it leads to foolish living and foolish behavior. But some people will take that even farther and do what the Pharisees have done and draw a line and say, therefore, you can't touch alcohol, right? Right, which is mm-hmm. not what the commandment yeah. says. Now, that's uncomfortable because people, you know, there a lot of people have family history and all this stuff, and, and there are many good reasons why a Christian would say, hey, you know what, not for me. But it doesn't give us a right to condemn a Christian who in good conscience is of legal age mm-hmm. and chooses to have a drink, mm-hmm. right? And, and yeah. even hearing this, people, some people might, you know, like the hair on their neck is standing up hearing it. But what, that's what we do is we commonly draw these lines where Scripture doesn't draw them. And mm-hmm. here's why it lets us off the hook, though. Because if you say that what it's really about is you can't touch alcohol, well, then what about other stuff? Mm-hmm. What about what happens when we start talking about marijuana and someone says, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about marijuana, so... Yeah. You know, I can mm-hmm. I can uh, smoke with my friends because the Bible doesn't talk about it. It only yeah. talks about right. alcohol. Yeah. Right? Yeah, again, yeah. it goes it goes back to like we're talking about it's like this distinction um that uh like it, it's a hard thing, you know, like getting drunk leads to other, you know, other things obviously. But uh if you stop you know, like you you said it like uh if you have that conviction, you know, don't do it. Like absolutely don't absolutely. do it. Like that's that's one that's that's kind of like the way like uh a lot of times Jesus is pointed to is like your convictions, you know, that's okay. You shouldn't always push your convictions on everyone else. It, and it's different when it's something that's you know, I, I like the described versus prescribed thing a lot. Um, there's something is prescribed, like he is prescribing, you should fix something before you even get to the courtroom. That's what Jesus is prescribing, you know. Right. And we see those things. He's like, yeah, this is what you should do. If you want to fulfill the law and be set apart like I am and holy like I am, yeah, do these things. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not getting drunk is one of them, obviously. Like, yeah. You shouldn't get drunk. But, right. you know, drinking, you know, in a in a uh, responsible way is different. You know? Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. And don't hear any of this, of course, because people are going to take this to like an absurd extent, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't hear any of this as an endorsement, right? Like, no, no. But, but we can come as believers, and we talked about this before the show today, we should be able to come to the scriptures together and ask questions like, how do we understand the principle here? And we may even disagree about what the principle is, right? We mm-hmm. can have fruitful, loving disagreements as we try to search out God's heart in the scriptures, that's okay, right? But the goal is how do we do good study of God's word to actually look for the heart of the commandment? Like I'd argue that when we talk about alcohol, that the heart of the commandment is anything that impairs your Mm decision-making is something that you should avoid. So if you're talking about getting high, whether it's, you know, you know, I know it sounds crass, but huffing paint cans in the garage or, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. marijuana or whatever, yeah. anything that takes you out of your ability to make wise and God honoring decisions is something that you should avoid. Yeah. And obviously that, and I'm, cause I've had this conversation with people and they're like, what if, what if I have to take a medicine that makes me loopy or something? It's like, that's different. That's a little a different. Little different. Right. You yeah. know, that's like, don't, that's when you're getting like way into, uh, right. where, People who are fundamentalists would be like, yeah, don't don't do that at all, right? And, you know, yeah, suffer, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But yeah, there's a difference when it's you're you're actively doing something to, uh, 
to hate, you know, I don't want to say haze, but like, you take, know, to take you mind, out of yourself, yeah. to fog your mind, yeah, to, to mess for, up for the your sake of pleasure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It, again, it always leads us back to the heart, right? Someone that's yeah. taken a medication for a health condition, right, is not doing that, you know, uh, mm-hmm. probably bec- because of pleasure, but yeah. out of necessity yeah. to care for their body and to be well. Like, yeah. and that's right. where God gives us the resources in His Word to address those things mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Yep. Which is a lot of what we were talking about before, too, of like focusing more on the, you know, the positive, the heart issue instead of the negative, because it's easy to look at the things that we are told necessarily not to do. Yeah. And it's easy to look at those things and say, okay, I can't do all these things, but because we're rebellious and because we're sinful, we're naturally going to tend, we're naturally going to go towards those things instead of away from them. Yeah. And so a good, you know, a good principle, I think, is usually if there's a commandment like that, God's trying to point us in the opposite direction, right? It's not just enough to not kill, but instead run in the opposite direction by loving people, mm-hmm. right? Or like Colin, you made the point that w- what is the command here? The command Jesus gives is if there's a problem with someone else, and there's unresolved anger in your heart or theirs, it's not about, don't even get in the weeds about the killing, go fix things that are broken, mm-hmm. right? It, it's so important that if you're like, if you're in the middle of worship, right? God says that's more important than worship because yeah. it doesn't make sense to come to worship if your heart's full of anger. You leave church, get in your car, drive home, go fix what's broken, mm-hmm. right? And then come to the altar and, and offer your gift. Mm-hmm. And really where this where this all comes back to is, are we looking to establish what religious hoops we got to jump through to get to God? Or are we recognizing that what Jesus calls us to is a whole life surrender mm-hmm. of our complete and total being to him? That's what he's calling us to. When Jesus came to, to call us to follow him, he says, hey, come and follow me, right? Take up your cross and follow me. He's not... He's not calling you to jump through some hoops of good behavior so that you can punch your ticket to the great beyond, right? Yeah. Like, that's not Jesus. Jesus says, hey, guess what? Your whole life, body, soul, mind, all of it belongs to God, and he's yeah. making a claim on it. So stop what you're doing, repent, and surrender yourself completely to go the way of his kingdom. And when you do that, he's going to lead you in a way of integrity, of love of mm-hmm. neighbor, of love of God, full-hearted worship of him. That's what he's calling you to. Yeah. He's not calling you to just come sit and fill a pew. He's calling you to take a radical step to surrender your life and sell out for his kingdom. And he says, when you do that, then you're going to experience eternal life. Yeah. And I think what, you know, Jesus pointing out that, like, that, like this, you know, it's a heart issue, right? It's like you have to come to the fact of, like, some people really, like, don't want to be told that they have sin, you know? Like, they absolutely don't want to be told that, like, yeah, you're, you can be an absolutely fleshy person. Like, they don't want to hear that, and especially, like, where where I think, you know, society or whatever is going now, it's like, when someone says, when, when something happens, right, like, you know, I don't want to give, like, some specific situation, but, like, when something happens, right, and the whole world is watching, you have this majority of people that are, like, uh, you need to, like, absolutely figure every single thing out to figure out how that thing cannot happen again, right? But when you tell them maybe it's a heart issue, maybe it's a core issue that is embedded in us that we need saving from, no one wants to hear it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They literally respond just like the Pharisees did, in anger and frustration and and malice. And it's like, 
I think that goes back to that's why Jesus says uh, the world is going to hate you because it hated me. Mm-hmm. You know, if you tell someone like, you know, hey, like this is cliche, but you need, you need Jesus. Like they, they, they had a heart issue. They, they needed Jesus mm-hmm. or this whole entire situation needs Jesus. That's not good enough. Yeah. You know, they don't even like that. They don't want that. That's right. So. Yeah. We need deliverance mm-hmm. and Jesus came to bring us that deliverance if we will entrust ourselves completely completely to him. Mm-hmm. So I hope that what this has done today is give you some tools at least to start thinking. And, you know, we can't possibly handle, you know, all of the, all of the, this, this topic in a single episode. But what we hope it does is get the conversation started and give you some tools to start having meaningful time studying God's word, that the Holy Spirit would use some of the things we've talked about today to get you thinking and reflecting more about your own life and that he would use it to call you to greater obedience, mm-hmm. to greater passion mm-hmm. for his kingdom to say, hey, you know what? Let's sell out for the kingdom together. Let's go the same way and let's entrust our whole lives to him. And that's mm-hmm. the invitation. Um, and so if you have questions, comments, concerns, we're happy to handle those things. We'd, we'd love some uh, more uh, questions to deal with on the program. Uh, so if you have questions, feel free to reach out, uh, shoot us an email, uh, or reach out to us on Facebook. We would love to talk about anything uh, that you have on your mind. But we hope you hear more than anything today, friends, uh, how good and how awesome Jesus is. And we want to invite you to follow him with us. And if you've never made that decision today, that decision is as easy as saying, Jesus, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my heart. And I know that my heart's full of sin. I know that by the standards of your law, I have failed. I need forgiveness because friends, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins if we turn to him and confess. So know that the father loves you. And we pray that you'll join us uh, again next time as we jump back into God's word. Thanks so much for tuning in today. God bless.